0: Prime Matters, in collaboration with Slaking Thirst's podcast, presents The Christian Mythic Narrative, The Deep History of the World. Primematters.com is a groundbreaking project of educational outreach of the University of Mary, awakening the Catholic imaginative vision. Episode 16, The Temple and the Prophets, destruction and exile. As David neared the end of his forty-year reign, he established his son Solomon as king after him. Solomon inherited a kingdom at peace, and during his reign the kingdom of Israel grew to its greatest splendor and extent. While still a young man, Solomon was given by God a choice as to what gift from God's hand he would like to receive. Rather than choosing wealth or power, Solomon asked that he be given wisdom to be able to rule Israel well. The Lord was pleased by the choice, and Solomon became renowned for his great wisdom, standing at the head of a long tradition of wisdom literature that derived luster from his name. Solomon's greatest achievement was the completion of his father David's deepest desire the construction of a temple in Jerusalem which rested on Mount Zion. From the time of Moses, God had dealt uniquely with the Israelite people in the tabernacle of meeting where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. But the Ark had been given no settled home and was vulnerable to being lost or captured. At one point, the Philistines did capture the Ark of God, though they quickly sent it away in fear when a plague broke out among them. Now Solomon was erecting a fixed house for the Lord, the meeting place of heaven and earth. God was the true king of the Israelites, and the temple was to be his palace, a place he would uniquely inhabit and from which he would rule. At the heart of the temple was the so-called Holy of Holies, shaped in the form of a perfect cube in which the Ark of the Covenant was kept. None could enter that veiled and sacred place except the high priest once a year when he offered a special atonement for the sins of the Israelites. There was an altar of sacrifice outside the Holy of Holies where the lives of animals were offered and the blood that symbolized their life was poured out. There was an altar of incense where the billowing smoke represented the prayers of the Israelites going up continually in the presence of God. The temple was to be under the authority of priests descended from Aaron and was to be kept in working order by the tribe of Levi, who were given the privilege of attending to worship as their ancestral inheritance in place of a portion of land. The temple became the center of Israelite life and worship. It was their special glory that the God of heaven and earth, the Lord of all peoples, had made his home among them. They would sing rapturous songs about the beauty of their temple and the joy of God's presence among them. Three times a year on pilgrim feasts, the children of Abraham would make the journey to Jerusalem to worship God in the temple on Mount Zion. Though Solomon began well and ruled wisely for many years, in the end he allowed himself to be seduced by the false gods of the peoples around him. It was a sign of dark things to come. Solomon's son alienated many of the Israelites by the high-handed ways he learned from neighboring empires, and ten of the twelve tribes of Israel rebelled against him. Only the tribe of Judah along with that of Benjamin, remained loyal to David's line. So the kingdom was divided into two parts, Israel in the north with its capital of Samaria, and Judah in the south centered on Jerusalem, a division that was to persist for two hundred years. The northern kingdom, the larger and more powerful of the two, quickly fell into idolatry. The southern kingdom fared somewhat better But there, too, most of the descendants of David abandoned faithfulness to God and fell to imitating the pagan customs of the surrounding nations. The names of kings Hezekiah and Josiah were remembered as faithful exceptions to a dismal pattern of unfaithfulness to God and forgetfulness of His covenant. During this time of general unfaithfulness, God did not forget or abandon His people, he raised up among them a remarkable line of chosen servants, the prophets, whom he commissioned to speak his word and to call Israel back to their true allegiance. From the time of Moses, there had always been prophets among the Israelites, the word means spokesman, who would bring God's word vividly to his people. Samuel had been one such, and the prophet Nathan had served in the court of King David. That tradition was now continued and intensified during the period of the divided kingdoms, first with the great Elijah and his disciple Elisha, and then through a long series of prophetic voices over hundreds of years, Amos and Hosea, Isaiah and Joel, Jeremiah, Micah and Ezekiel, among others. The prophets were often opposed by the authorities whose unfaithfulness they decried and they left behind a legacy of inspired prophetic writings, along with an example of selfless service to God that would resonate down the years. Despite repeated prophetic warnings that their unfaithfulness would bring destruction upon them, the Israelites on the whole remained stubborn in their infidelities, forgetting their covenant, disobeying the law God had given them, and imitating the pagan nations around them. Having abandoned God, they were now left without protection. A rising power in Mesopotamia, the Assyrians invaded and put an end to the northern kingdom of Israel some 200 years after Solomon's reign. The ten tribes were deported by the Assyrians and were lost to history. A people of mixed ancestry were established in their former territory who would come to be called Samaritans. The southern kingdom of Judah held on for another 150 years, until they too succumbed to a new Mesopotamian empire, the Babylonians. Many of Judah's inhabitants were taken into exile to Babylon, and their land was laid waste. Most crushing of all, the Babylonians captured Jerusalem and destroyed the temple that Solomon had built 400 years before. These catastrophic events threw the people of Israel into profound crisis. God had chosen them from time immemorial as his special people, his abiding home on earth. Despite their unfaithfulness, they had never forgotten the many promises God had made them, and God had always secured a minority, a remnant among them who had remained faithful. But where was their hope now? The promised land had been taken from them and ravaged by their enemies. The promised line of kings who were to reign forever on Israel's throne was deposed. The chosen people were scattered and dispersed as slaves and exiles. And the temple, the very dwelling of God on earth, had been pounded into dust by the pagan enemies of God. This severe chastisement brought about a profound soul-searching among the remnant of the Jews. They pondered their past history, remembering the many ways God had led them. They considered his promises and his warnings, and they mold over the words of his prophets. They realized that all this calamity had come upon them because of their stubborn infidelity, They experienced a new longing for their God, who now seemed to have abandoned them. They yearned for their land, for their temple, and especially for a renewal of the original covenant. If I forget you, Jerusalem, they sang, may my right hand wither, may my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I do not count Jerusalem above my highest joys. But what were they to do? Where were they to look for hope and for help? How were they to find their way back to faithfulness? How were they to worship God in a foreign land?